0: Ah, uh, here we go again. Another compliance training. Welcome, and thank you for joining me today to talk uh, about fiscal compliance so in the new year. Hey there. Thanks for downloading and queuing up episode six DIY Narrator Podcast. As always, I'm here to help you improve the engagement of your e-learning through a more effective narration when you can't hire a professional narrator and have to DIY it. This is Josh Risser, I'm a former corporate trainer who is now a professional voice talent. And I have to say, this week has been pretty excellent for connecting with you DIY narrators out there. I had a couple of people send over some sample recordings asking for equipment recommendations, some feedback on their sound, tips on improving their performance, and I love it all. It's fun for me to get a talk shop and help you out on a one-on-one basis. I do have to say, I can get long-winded at times, so if you send me an email, ask a question, don't be surprised if I end up writing a mini-novel. But that's also great for all of you listeners out there who might be too shy to ask a question, or if you're anything like me, you just don't know how to ask questions very well, and you always think, oh, I don't have any questions until you start working on stuff. Uh, because all of that leads to a bunch of new entries in my spreadsheet titled DIY Narrator Content Ideas, which is a really clever name. So if you have a question about anything narration-related or would love some feedback on your performance as a narrator or equipment or how it sounds, anything at all, feel free, ask away. Connect with me on LinkedIn, send me an email to host at diynarrator.com Or you can head over to DIYNarrator.com and click the link that says Ask a Question. This week's episode actually comes from a listener question, and the question came from the one and only Jacqueline Hutchinson over at The Lounge Podcast. If you haven't checked out The Lounge, be sure to do it right after you finish listening here. It's a great interview-based podcast about corporate learning and educational technologies. In fact, I'd say it'd be an amazing companion to this podcast. The question was regarding matching up new recordings to an old one, or maybe a project you're just returning to after a short break or a long break, or maybe it was just lunch. Maybe it was put on hold for a month and then you're just returning to finish up the narration. It could be even that there's a small update that needs to be made, or it's a new year and you need to update the year and the opening of some silly training you did last year, and you need to make a change to a couple of sentences that'll reflect the new year and new policy and In any of those scenarios, you might have some trouble matching up your new recording to the old one, and it can really kill learner immersion. We've all heard those bad edits on TV and radio commercials, or someone said the new promo code or a new city name, and they cut it in very poorly with the original recording, and half the time you're not even sure if the original guy was the one that recorded the promo code. So if you're having some trouble matching up, or are you expecting that someday you'll have to update a training module and you don't really want to record the entire thing again? Let's talk about some things that can get in the way of a clean match. First, it's your recording environment. Changes to where the mic is in the room or any removal or addition of reflective or absorbing materials might change the way the room sounds. The way a room sounds contributes in a very significant way to the overall sound of the recording, and even your position in the room will make a difference. If you're in the middle of the room, or to one side, or in the corner, it all impacts the way the sound reflects around the room and back into the microphone. Specifically, it changes what's referred to as early reflections, which is really just a fancy way of saying the first echo that gets back to your mic. Again, I put environment at the top of yet another list because it is really important. In fact, if there was one compelling reason to pick a professional narrator over doing it yourself, matching old recordings may just be that reason. Any talent who is billing themselves as a pro should have a space that's pretty dead and very consistent. Otherwise, they need to be very willing to go to great lengths with couch cushions and comforters and walking closets to get a good approximation of one. And if your room is the same, matching a previous recording for an update shouldn't be a major issue as long as the next factor hasn't really changed. And the next factor is your microphone. A different mic will sound way different, obviously. They all have different frequency response curves. I have two large diaphragm condenser mics. The one I'm on now has a little bit of a presence boost or a boost in the higher frequencies. And my other mic actually cuts out some of the mid-high-ish range of frequencies and has less of a presence boost, so it sounds a bit darker than this one. It still sounds nice, but yeah, it's not as cool, and really all equipment it is about anyway is being cool, right? You get to feel cool when you take it out of its fancy box. Back to mics. You may hear a difference even from the same manufacturer and model when you're spending less than maybe five, 600 dollars on the mic. Quality control from mic to mic in the lower cost range just isn't there, and especially isn't there with internal components. Also year to year, the manufacturers of lower cost equipment will probably be looking to keep their costs low and their margins high, so they might make changes to some of the components of the microphone, and it could lead to all sorts of differences in sound. So that Blue Yeti you bought in 2015 may not sound like the Blue Yeti you bought to replace it a few years later after your dog ran off with the original one. Sort of related to mics is the amount of gain you're using on the mic. As the mic becomes more or less sensitive, the voice is going to sound different, and that goes for external preamps, so when you plug your mic into another device and then that device plugs into your computer, or when your mic has an internal preamp, like USB mics tend to, and the mic has a little gain knob right on the mic. If you turn up the gain, you'll influence the signal to noise ratio that we talked about in a previous episode. So your signal will be lower relative to your noise and quieter all around. And it might not pick up certain characteristics of your voice that you might hear with it turned up a bit more. Also with the USB mics, they are notorious for noisy preamps. So if you have a USB mic and you can hear a hiss in your recording that gets worse when you turn the gain knob up, that's a noisy preamp. Electronic components all have a little bit of noise in them but the cheaper ones tend to be much noisier. And I've really noticed this with Blue Yeti's in particular, there are some samples I've gotten from people where the Blue Yeti sounds good, very quiet, not a lot of noise, and there are other ones where it's just constantly in the background, it sounds just like water running or something. You have to be really careful, mic to mic. Also related to mic is mic position. If you move a bit off axis left or right, or if you're right in front of it or it's overhead, it'll sound a bit different than it did in any of the other positions. Once you find a position that works well for you and picks up your voice really well, doesn't get in the way when you need to gesture or look at the script, and doesn't distract you, stick with that position. Because when it's in one spot and you're comfortable with that mic position, it also leads to consistency in your distance from the mic. And I don't need to talk too much about distance from the mic. I already discussed the proximity effect a little bit. So as you get closer or further away from the mic, you sound different due to the proximity effect. And how much more of the room it picks up relative to your voice. and So maybe you recorded that last e-learning when you were in your radio DJ phase. And you were right up on the mic. Because you liked the way it made your voice sound big and boomy. But then you realized that you were just being annoying. And your listeners didn't like it. And if that's the case, you're going to have to make a decision if you have to update that e-learning. Record the whole thing again. Or get up on that mic and get annoying. Next factor. And this one might surprise you. It's time of day. It's crazy, but it's something that I actually have to deal with often. My voice sounds a little bit lower and a little bit throatier and grumblier in the morning. And in the afternoon, it gets lighter and more clear. but still stays deep though. I still have a lot of bass in my voice. Then at night, it stays clear, but then my energy levels and ability to really get up there and get excited and energetic, and it just starts to fade out. So if I originally recorded something in the afternoon, I might have a difficult time matching it first thing in the morning without really warming up my voice. And I've actually noticed this with auditions in the past. Back when I was working a 9-to-5 job and then working on voiceover on the side, there were times I'd get up early to submit a bunch of auditions that had come in overnight before I left for work. And when I won one of those jobs, I'd always listen back to my audition to figure out what they liked, and what did it sound like, and how can I match it to do the rest of the job, because you never turn in a complete job in an audition situation. And then I was recording the final job later at night, like 10pm or later, and I'd struggle sometimes to get the same timbre to my voice or the same energy in the delivery. So you have to really be mindful of that. If you it first thing in the morning, you might sound different at 1 in the afternoon, and it might just not match up right. There's one more thing that you really should consider, and that is mind tricks. One thing you need to be aware of is that you know where the edits are. So you're anticipating where the new stuff starts and where the old stuff ends. In anticipation of an expected difference, your brain might just trick you into thinking you can tell the difference when you might not actually be able to hear it, and someone else certainly wouldn't be able to hear it. So if you want to check if that's happening, send a sample to a friend, or feel free to send me a sample, and have them tell you what they hear. Just be sure not to tell them where the edit is, and send a relatively short sample, 30 to 60 seconds is plenty, just so they hear the transition and see if they can hear the edit. If not, you're good to go. In the VO world, a lot of pros I know keep track of their settings for every project and sometimes every audition. They'll have what mic they used, the gain level, the mic position, they save the effects stack and settings. And it can be tedious to keep track of all of that, but it's really nice to have. And sometimes it's necessary if someone comes to you after you win an audition and they just want to lift the audition. Maybe you read half a script for a short commercial, and they're just like, send us the rest of the script. There are times when that happens, and you need to be able to match perfectly the second part of that, or you end up spending extra time recording the first part again, trying to match what you did in the first audition, and then you can record the second half. So what about you? Have you ever had trouble matching something in an old recording? Is there one project looming out there that you know is going to show up again and need an update, but you're dreading matching the narration? If so, I hope one of these things rings a bell for you. There certainly are other factors that can also impact your ability to match, but these are the 80% in the 80-20 rule, and they might actually be the 95%. But if you can think of anything else, let me know. And let me know if you have any questions. Send an email to host at diynarrator.com or head over to diynarrator.com and click ask a question to get a form, just punch in your question there, and I'm happy to help, and I'm almost always nice, or I'm always nice, I just tend to be very verbose. Seriously, I feel kind of bad. Uh, check out the show notes over at diynarrator.com slash 006, and be sure to pay your admission this week, just share it with a friend or a coworker. Also be sure to connect with me in the social world, I'm pretty busy over on LinkedIn and I'm trying to be busier on Twitter, and you can find all the social information and links over at diynarrator.com. I don't expect you to have to remember it and then type it in, find me, just go click a link. Thanks again for listening today, thanks for your time, get out there and do great work.